Lord Jesus, we're in awe of you. We thank you for the God that you are and that Jesus has revealed you to be. We come this morning to worship you and thank you that you inhabit the praise of your people. We acknowledge you here and among us this morning. Speak to us. Touch our hearts. Direct our lives. We exalt you as our Lord and the Lord of the universe. In your holy name, we give you praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Yes. Namaste or Jamesee or all those many greetings from far, far away lands. Uh, I, I want to thank you. So many of you signed up for our Nepal prayer clock. And I can report to you that we had absolutely uh, no instances where we felt uh, threatened or uh, in a difficult way while we were there. I'm going to ask Chad to come forward for just a moment as, as we share a little bit about that. Um, Everywhere we went, we seemed uh, covered in prayer. Um, I don't think there was a single instance where we felt threatened. And that's in a country now that is arresting people for proselytizing, for sharing the faith beyond the bounds of those who already embrace it. Um, And we found, nevertheless, the faith was spreading there. Uh, The Global Mission Nepal Church Network that we're there supporting and training those pastors has grown dramatically since we were there a year ago. New churches have been started. Other churches have uh, discovered their organization and the strength of it. And uh, startup churches elsewhere are now joining the network. It's absolutely exploding there. Uh, Last year, we trained 80 pastors and their wives. This time, 120 pastors and their wives showed up. So, yes. So for for Deb Smith and Nancy and Doris and Dave and Scott and Sharon and Brenda and Debbie and Sue and Meg and Suzanne and Terry and Becky and so many others that didn't sign up, but I know prayed, we we owe you a debt of gratitude. Uh, We were there on uh, the momentum of your prayers, and it showed in almost everything we did. Uh, Chad, I'm going to... Just ask you, um, whoa, is that one on now? Yes. What was it at, uh, what do you recall as maybe one of the biggest God sightings or, or, or things that you saw God at work while we were in Nepal? I think there was a couple things. Um, Pastor Benjamin's church was really um, special. Most of these churches um, are really small. Uh, maybe what we would see out in the countryside you know, um, many miles away from town in rural areas uh, of Oklahoma. But a lot of them are in people's houses. Um, They have a real small uh, apartment or something, and they may meet in their living room for church. And uh, Pastor Chris and I went to uh, the first weekend we were there. uh, was Pastor Titus's church. Well, I'll get to Pastor Benjamin in a minute, I guess. Um, And it was just really, uh, for me, very awe-inspiring to be in the presence of the Lord in a church where they don't speak English. I know it may sound uh, silly, but um, my Jesus always speaks English, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, <clears throat> and I know there's Christians all over the world, but um, it, that was really, really neat. Um, I think just to be in the presence of the Lord, um, we didn't have to understand what was being said um, they didn't interpret for us when we spoke. They interpreted for their congregation, but we didn't know what they were saying. 
when they were speaking Nepalese. So uh, that was really special, I think, to me. And then uh, later, after the training was over, we went to Kathmandu and spent three or four days in Kathmandu. And one night we went to a uh, church that was in a slum area. And it's, it's probably what you would expect um, when you would think of extreme poverty. They're, they're living on land that they don't own. They're, it's government land down in the bottom of a river, a river bottom area. And uh, Pastor Benjamin's story, um, I don't think we have enough time to tell the whole thing. It's about a half hour story, but um, God definitely called him to be there in that area. And uh, that was really, really, I think, special. His church is probably smaller than this stage. And they have uh, 40 or 50 members, I think. 50 adults, and 75 then, kids. And then 75 kids that come for their school program. Um, and they fit them in this little bitty church. And um, it was really, really special. His story, maybe we could tell that some other time mm-hmm. um, when we have more time. But it, that was really um, special to be there with them uh, and um, experience God's love um, you know, where there's nothing else. I mean, there's, there's literally, um, that's what they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Powerful, authentic stuff. Uh, Pastor Benjamin came from India, and he was there for school. Somebody dared him to go into the slum. He went there one time, and thank God he'd never have to go back. And, uh, but God kept redirecting them. He tried to start a couple of churches. They failed. He ended he tried up back. for six months to start a church. And did not have one convert right. from, from uh, Hinduism or Buddhism in six months in a, in a nice affluent part of town. And then uh, the first day he went back to the slum, not the first time he had been there, um, a woman converted um, that very first time he went back. So I think that was his, he took as a uh, great sign that he should be there and he's been there ever since. Mm-hmm. He was not welcome there. There was a slum lord who was a Maoist, a communist, and an atheist who told him there was never going to be a church there. Uh, but Pastor Benjamin loved him so much they became good friends. And uh, so he erected this church out of bamboo and tarp. Um, and as soon as we arrived, his uh, congregants were running to get us tea and to sit us down. They treated us like royalty. Um, but they are literally living in a dump. Um, uh, Just amazing commitment. He had the opportunity to go and lead a a church of 2,000 in India to return to his home church after his pastor retired. And uh, he said, no, my place is here among these people. And he literally survives week to week, day to day, on God's provision, knowing not from where it will come. Just incredible a man of faith. And I'll have a picture of him up here before too long, but uh, you would expect this man to be depressed, to be weary, to be overburdened with the circumstances he's in. And he smiled like he had won the lottery the whole time we were with him. Um, we, we tried to ask him what his needs were, what kind of monetary needs he had, and he wouldn't tell us. He just said, brother, all we need is prayer. God is our provision. Just pray for us. Um, We did more than that before we left. Uh, 
but uh, we, we, we left him a, a generous offering. But um, just amazing to see the commitment of these pastors in their situation. Um, that song that we were singing just a moment ago, you know, Blessed Be Your Name, uh, where the streams of abundance flow and where we serve in a desert land. We feel like we've seen both of those over the last weeks. And uh, it's such a privilege to be uh, the spearhead of your investment in that part of the world. So from Chad and I, we, we say thanks. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Give yourselves a hand. Thank you. truth of the matter is you don't have to go to Nepal to be an ambassador for Christ. All you have to do is wake up right where you are and realize his spirit lives within each and every one of us. It's amazing what God can do with lives that are just offered to him as we offer ourselves to him through this meal that we partake of. To take in his spirit, to be forgiven of our sins afresh, and to walk as his agents in this world. Uh, and at the very first church I served in Georgia, there was a little sweet lady. She was the sister of Golden Whitley. And I remember her last name was Whitley. To be honest, I don't, I don't remember her first name. She was in the nursing home. And every month, she was always the first person in the nursing home that I would go to see. It was not, it was not an inspiring place. It was a, a depressing place and not a very well-kept nursing home. But, but as long as I went to see her first, I would have plenty of emotional strength for the rest of the visits that I had to make. She was probably 60 pounds soaking wet, and she, she could only lay in her bed. She had a brittle bone disease that uh, made it almost impossible for her, those who took care of her to move her without breaking a bone. She was always on the mend. They would have to move her with sheets and not touch her in order to keep the bones from, from breaking in her body. Her, her hands were, were gnarled with arthritis, and yet... Time and time again, when I would go, she would have prepared for me a little uh, cross bookmark. It was a little plastic thing that she would weave with yarn. And she would give me uh, these bookmarks. I, I wonder where she got that idea. I, I, I never asked her. But I read a story recently about Lizzie Johnson, who was in much the same shape. When she was 13 years of age, she had a, an accident which crippled her uh, horribly. And, and she spent the next 27 years of her short life in a bed, unable to move. Her only view of the world was from a, a mirror that hung from the ceiling. And yet, she was loved of God and knew she was called of God to be his ambassador. And so one day she had an idea. She would, she would make a quilt. She had heard that for $40, this was back in the early 1920s, uh, for $40 she could free an African slave. So she went to work there on her back knitting a quilt. She knitted a quilt. She wanted to sell it for $40. She thought maybe she had missed God because she put it up for sale and no one would buy it. And then she started making these little bookmarks, much like Mrs. Whitley did. And the bookmarks sold like hotcakes, maybe because they were a lower purchase point, you know, a dollar a piece. But each year she would make enough bookmarks to make over $1,000 that she would then send abroad, freeing African slaves and being sensitive to the next opportunity that God was calling her to make a difference in. She educated people. She did all kinds of things with that thousand dollars a year. So what happened to the unsold quilt? 
Well, uh, an evangelist from overseas came to visit her, had heard about her, her witness and her testimony, and he saw the quilt, and he asked if he could borrow the quilt, that he would, as he went around the United States, he would lay out the quilt and ask people if they wanted to give to missions and support missions to leave an offering in that quilt that was spread before them. As he traveled around the United States that year and told her story, over $100,000 were given for missions. From a woman who could not sit up in her bed. When a heart gives itself to Christ, Christ always takes notice. And there's no telling what God can do through a life that's yielded to him, no matter what the limitations are. You don't have to have a plane ticket to Nepal. Maybe you don't even have to get out of bed. Maybe you just need to call on the strength of the partner that can make your life mean more in his hands than it ever could if you kept it to yourself. To him we come now saying, Lord, forgive us. Lord, use us. Lord, walk with us. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread And he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it remembering me. And so, Lord God, we pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of juice and bread that they may enact what they signify. We also ask, Lord, that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us. That however you've empowered us to serve, that we might seize that opportunity. We offer ourselves to you, Lord God. Awaken us to all the ways that we might be your ambassadors as your spirit goes forth in us. We ask this in the name of your son who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.